Let's do it. Let's do it. Welcome, 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 everybody. Welcome to VUX World. Ah, there we are. We are live. That's fantastic. It's always nice to have a little bit of confirmation there. How's things, Dustin? Going okay. Going okay. Um, how do you like my lighting behind me? That was my big, uh, my big weekend project. I, <laughs> I bought too many Hue lights, and I was like, I need something to do with it. And I was like, bookshelf. I think that's good. I think it looks yeah. pretty snazzy. I've been trying to get a couple of those myself, but I missed out on Prime Day. So instead, I'm left with my lamp mm. and my pumpkin. I noticed you didn't comment on my pumpkin last week, Dustin. Oh, no, I didn't. It is, it is a good looking pumpkin, though. <laughs> my Prime Day, I don't know if I mentioned this already. My Prime Day was 800 diapers, literally 800 diapers, which uh, scares me a little bit because all the parents I know go, oh, so you bought two weeks worth of diapers. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> You're going to find that out very soon. Um, yeah, yeah, you will fly through those diapers. Um, and you won't be able to sleep for them. You'll just be sleeping on them, probably. <laughs> Hopefully not in them, but on them. Uh, <laughs> so welcome, welcome everybody tuning in. Uh, we've got a fantastic podcast lined up today. And uh, before we do kick off, I'd like to give a shout out to the Conversation Design Institute, who are sponsoring the podcast today and for the foreseeable. Um, if you are looking to become a conversation designer. If you are a conversation designer already, looking to kind of keep up to date with the latest insights, the latest best practice, or you're just trying to get into it, you want a place to start, that's one of the top questions that I tend to get. Not top, top questions, but it's a common question I get asked all the time is, where do you go to learn about this stuff? And aside from the VOX World podcast, the Conversation Design Institute is a good place to go. It's an online destination. It's got a number of different courses that add into it all the time. Um, and if you are interested in learning how to be a conversation designer, you should check them out. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast or on YouTube, uh, the links will all be in the show notes and you can save 25% uh, if you do want to join. So shout out to the Conversation Design Institute, Dustin, for helping everyone become conversation designers. Yeah, and if you learn how to design conversations, maybe you can use that tool to build for this platform that we're talking about today, huh? Maybe you can. Maybe you can. And we'll learn a hell of a lot more about that with Mike. Mike Zagosek, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. It is a pleasure to have you along. So uh, you are the VP of Product Marketing at SoundHound. Is that is that the correct title? That is correct. Yes, I am. Wicked. Wicked. Dustin, what excites you most about SoundHound? Uh, I mean, there's a lot, I think the, uh, well, obviously SoundHound, uh, old school, old school mobile company, uh, which I think is really exciting to see how it's, it's grown over time, or perhaps, you know, we'll find out today that it hasn't grown. It's just, uh, been, uh, clearer to me that it's been doing this all along, but also I think really exciting that this gives, flexibility and power to people that may seem out of reach and may seem out of reach to everyone, but your Amazon, your Google, your Apple. What about you, Ken? Uh, I, well, I love everything SoundHound are doing and I've seen all of the demo. I, I honestly haven't actually used SoundHound, Mike, before. So I don't know whether you can manage to get some kind of uh, some kind of demo over this side, but uh, haven't actually used it. But seen a lot of the videos, read a hell of a lot about it, and uh, really like the way that it is positioned. Um, I really like the the what looks like to be very powerful technology, which I'm sure you're going to tell us about uh, working underneath the hood. And I like the fact that it is an independent voice assistant platform that is probably certainly within a community has the same amount of awareness, I would say, as Google and Alexa, and see seems to be delivering on capabilities that in some cases is probably better than. So I wonder whether this is probably a good time, Mike, for you to give an introduction to yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then after that, maybe you can give us a, a bit of an overview about SoundHound and, and tell us a little bit about, about what SoundHound does. Yeah, that sounds great. <clears throat> yeah, it's great to be here. And uh, I, I follow VOX World uh, avidly, uh, Kane, I always, uh, I don't have a dog, but I, I feel like when your videos pop up on, on LinkedIn, I feel like I'm, I'm right there with you, uh, walking through the, this, this, the English, uh, suburbs, if as it were, the mean, um, the mean streets of Tunbridge Wells, I think it's called. <laughs> good to know. Yeah. I'll, 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 maybe I'll, I'll, maybe I can, you should do a, you should do a live tracking of, of, you know, a little dot following yourself on a map. Yeah, walks. What's your pattern, but, um, thanks for having me in. Yeah, it's uh, and thank you for the introduction. I'm, as you said, uh, VP of product marketing at, at SoundHound, uh, really marketing in general. And uh, I've been with the company about four years, uh, really uh, to help grow awareness, um, grow the business and um, uh, and really uh, find 
and match companies and organizations who are looking to add a voice interface to their products with us, essentially. We, um, and as you, uh, Dustin, as you pointed out, uh, we do have a long history. We started in 2005. And the first 10 years of the company's life was really known for being this music recognition app. It, uh, and that was, um, that was strategic for a number of reasons. One is that it's in the realm of audio detection, but it really allowed our, our co-founders who were um, Stanford PhD students uh, with a vision for voice, really gave them the 10 years that they needed to develop this uh, independent voice platform Houndify. So in 2015, almost 10 years to the day, uh, of the founding, they revealed um, our platform, which we called Houndify, and then thus brought us to conversations like this today. So was that the plan all along, or was it something where over time you saw, hey, this is a growth opportunity, we need to be in there? That was the plan all along. So it, uh, the, specifically the, uh, the PhD thesis of our co-founders um, was, I, don't remember it exactly, but it was really around voice interface systems in the form of a, a platform. So they, uh, but they knew that to do it the way they wanted to, and ultimately the way it works with SoundHound today would take a long time. So the, uh, as you can imagine for anyone in, in a startup environment, looking to raise capital saying, well, we have this great idea for voice interface system, but it'll take 10 years, usually, isn't the turnaround time that most investors are looking for. So uh, the, uh, the music recognition service was born from that and it really it uh, paved the way for, for where we are now. So that was always the vision and, and the, but the brand is very much associated with the, the app. The app has over 300 million downloads, it's worldwide. So keeping the company name the same as the app is a great way for people to get that instant recognition and then and then this is the marketing side of me. You say, oh, well, it's great that you love the music app. Let's tell you about what we're doing now versus if we completely rebranded and changed our name, we'd really be erasing 10 years of, of awareness and momentum. Interesting. I, I come across, this was a long time ago, actually, and I can't remember who it was that was talking about it, but it was probably maybe even two years ago, it might have been on another podcast like VoicePod or something like that. But it was all about how there is the, the company has managed to get uh, some tremendous benefit from, first of all, actually trying to recognize audio. And I'm wondering whether, you know, whether this is part of your bag or not in terms of like maybe what benefits has the company had that's maybe unique to SoundHound, given that Google, Nuance, Amazon, you know, IBM, they all haven't come from an area of, of trying to identify other types of audio. They've just kind of tried to specialize in speech. Is there anything specifically that you're aware of that may have kind of given SoundHound a little bit of an added edge through being able to recognize music? There's definitely uh, a correlation there. In fact, what um, in, in addition to the music recognition, one of the, the features that a subset of, of SoundHound users love is what we call our sing hum recognition. And so we were the, the pioneers of that, where if you had a tune in your head and you, you sang it into, uh, you tap the button, you sang it, they would match uh, a database of songs. And the way that worked was uh, it was crowdsourced. So people uh, would sing the song and upload it. We would leverage that information. And that way, if you sang it, even if it was not sung particularly well, uh, it would match up. Uh, and so the combination of music recognition, but also being a pioneer in this singing and humming, you, you, you're getting a, you know, a feel for how does, how do you deconstruct audio and, uh, and then match it to, to patterns such that you can provide uh, the right amount of response. So there's definitely differences. I would be wrong for me to say that everything we took in music recognition, we were able to parlay into the voice, but there certainly is, is a healthy overlap, which, um, which we took advantage of. And you alluded to it earlier with the waiting 10 years and with Houndify. What is Houndify? What is it that SoundHound is offering now in addition to the music recognition? Yeah, great segue. It's uh, Houndify is the name of our voice AI platform. The uh, it's um, it's a platform and a product, so users can create a free account on Houndify.com. They log in, and it's a developer environment. And 
you immediately get access to uh, a voice interface product. You can um, enter commands, program responses. We also have uh, what we refer to as domains. So we have hundreds of, a few hundred domains and uh, they work, if you zoom out, they work similar to something like an Alexa skill or a Google action. Um, uh, the difference is that you, you enable the ones that you want for your product. So if you're voice enabling an app or a, you know, IOT product and you decide you want it to be able to handle things like weather, stocks, sports scores. Uh, through Houndify, you can enable that. And the nice thing is it's, there's no pressure on the user to then take any action. So if you then ask the product, you say, uh, you know, what's the, you know, the score last weekend for the football game? Uh, it'll just answer because it, it's been enabled. So giving developers that control, they get uh, our, our uh, voice recognition, our NLU responses, access to the domains, and um, and now we've uh, and we've we've prioritized working with partners. So if you now if you are uh, using the Mercedes MBUX uh, cloud-based experience, uh, Hyundai Honda, so we have automotive, which we can talk about, but also um, we're powering. We have a partnership with uh, Deutsche Telekom, uh, powering some of their 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 products. Uh, in the IoT space, um, in the U.S., we have um, music. Uh, our mu music partner, Pandora, and also Snapchat. So, it's um, it's uh, it's a great tool to show the power of what you can do when you have control. But it's also something we've been able to really invest with partners to elevate what they're doing in a way that's highly visible. So, hmm. how? So is it that is this a is this a right way of thinking about it? So Houndify has speech recognition, an NLU, the ability for brands, developers, whoever to create um, experiences, exchanges, conversations, and also as well as the conversation and the the kind of thing that you're creating. Let's use that uh, Dodge Telecom example. Maybe that's like an, uh, I don't know, ability to turn on and off uh, IoT devices, or maybe it's an IVR thing or whatever it might be. But you can also have that assistant ask it questions that are outside of the domain of what you've built for, because you can call upon the domains that SoundHound has available. Is, is that a kind of, is that the end-to-end -end kind of, pipeline if you like or, or overview of the different bits that go into it yeah that's a great uh it's a great way to characterize it there's um when you think about why you would want to add voice to a product it's um it's uh it's really i mean there's a lot of ways to, to break it down but one is to extend the value of that product through a voice interface so if you have an iot product or an app, um, or you're in a car, the ability to control the product and, and do things that you would normally expect that product to do through voice is empowering. It's, uh, it's faster, it's more convenient, you don't have to look for the interface. So we have partners who really focus on uh, it, that, that product command and control. Uh, the other is to add new value beyond simply command and control. And that's really uh, leveraging uh, domains that are beyond the product itself. So then that way you can start answering general knowledge and questions and potentially even adding services dedicated to your product that you couldn't before without a voice interface. And uh, that's what's something that we're really excited to see. So think of it as a product extension and then value creation uh, above and beyond that. Offering things outside of your service that you wouldn't have been able to offer before. What do you mean by that? So if um, we haven't seen this this uh, yet, but imagine you have an appliance, a uh, home appliance that is voice enabled. So it becomes a smart appliance. You could maybe if it's a you know coffee maker or a washing machine, you can say, well, you can start, stop, you can control it. But the idea that... Um, Maybe if you wanted to order more uh, detergent or coffee, or if you had a question about uh, another product, or if you had a service issue, uh, all of a sudden this product becomes a gateway into your brand in ways that in its form, previous form it never could have been. So 
I think what companies are starting to see, at least the ones that are, are more progressive, is that they can add value to their product by voice enabling it, but they can start creating their own ecosystem and a stronger connection with the customer that is uniquely unlocked with voice because historically you would need to go to another forum or channel to take advantage of these services. You've got that, that's kind of touching on. I think we'll get into some of that when it comes to Mercedes. I think one of the unique things that Mercedes have been able or on the verge of being able to do is to have them in a position where they're almost taking like an Alexa kind of role in the vehicle, essentially, in that Alexa being a conduit between a user and a service. And the Man Mercedes assistant is almost kind of at that point where it can potentially have that intermediary role between the user and not just the Mercedes assistant and doing the things that it needs to do for Mercedes purposes, but also anything else that a user might need on their commute or on their drive or whatever. And we'll kind of delve into that shortly in terms of, you know, what that's doing for brands and, you know, and, and the, the potential for voice AI to kind of disrupt those relationships or, or industries and stuff. But before we move on to that, I'll be keen to try and um, help the users or rather the listeners of, of the podcast try and get a, um, a picture in their mind about the role that SoundHound plays within that. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, you've got Alexa and Google Assistant. And if you want to have a skill or an action, you can go to either Dialogflow or the Alexa Skills Kit and you can create your conversations in there and you can deploy them. You're part of that ecosystem, part of that service, but it's a way of you basically being able to build an an app, so to speak. Sounds as though SoundHound or Houndify offers something similar to that. Only the, one of the differences being is that rather than putting it onto Alexa and Amazon control where that's distributed, you can potentially control where you distribute that. Is that an, is that an accurate? How, how, is that, first of all, is that accurate? And how do you differentiate SoundHound from Alexa, Google Assistant, and even from some of the tools like Cognigy or Boost.ai and, or those kind of tools out there? How do you differentiate SoundHound in all of that space? Yeah, it's... Um, uh, Alexa, you know, Alexa or Google are um, third-party services that um, that are voice-enabled. So, uh, and they're incredibly valuable. Um, so, if you um, if you're looking to if you have a voice-enabled product and you want to make it useful to users, you could add Alexa to it. Certainly, um, what we do is we provide a very similar capability, but extends the brand of the company itself. So one of the, the questions that companies need to act, ask themselves is, do I want uh, a third party to essentially take control of my product experience? And the risk is that the product itself, whether it's a, an IoT product or if it's an app or, even, or a car, it becomes, uh, it becomes some subsumed in it. And what we espouse is that you should have a branded voice experience. And that's what we provide. So we provide a custom wake word so that when you say something like, hello, Hyundai, uh, you, you've now set the expectation of the user that you are interacting with the product in the company. And then when it, when it answers the question, you're getting the answer from, from the product in the company itself. So it's, it's really about strengthening the customer's relationship with the brand itself. Um, we also feel it's completely acceptable to have multiple assistants in one environment. So if you want to have Alexa and Google live alongside it, that's perfectly fine. The user gets the choice, but what you're, you're not doing is handing over the keys to your brand to a third party. You're maintaining that, that connection. And then and the last thing is with our platform, you get to see and keep all the data, user data, whereas with Alexa and Google, you really you don't. So there's a loss of brand control, a loss of data control. Uh, that we think is um, has has pretty significant trade-offs, and, and a lot of the brands are, are seeing, which is why uh, they're attracted to the the type of thing we offer. Hmm. So, so Kane mentioned skills and actions, but it sounds like you're really actually competing against uh, Alexa for device makers and a assistant embedded inside devices. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, we don't like to think of it as competition because. You can you can have both. They can coexist. Um, really, it's, it's I would say most of what we're competing against is companies' relative prioritization of adding voice to their products. I think it's on everybody's radar, but where they rank it as a priority, 
I think really varies because um, the the what Amazon and Google do through their voice services is very specific to them. Um, and uh, and so if if a company says, well, I'm going to do Alexa or do my own uh, assistant, then you could you could say that's a competitive situation. But that's actually a fundamentally different strategy at that point. Right. That there is a um, uh, infamous now, I guess, ad for a, a, an American car, Buick. They ran it. Uh, about a month ago and it was an Alexa enabled car and uh, the passenger said, it's a Buick. And the driver said, no, it's an Alexa. And they were really just saying, you know, this car has Alexa to a point where they actually were completely willing to say, it's not a Buick, it's an Alexa, which that's a strategy. And if that's what you want to do, then that there's, there's value in that, but that we feel companies, um, they want to see, uh, they want to maintain their relationships with their users. So they, they were not against, them adding multiple assistants, but we don't feel it should be at the expense of the core relationship. I guess that is a question that I, I do have. It certainly it makes sense, I think, for Pandora to to manage uh, their voice experience inside their app themselves, or even something like a, a coffee maker, like you mentioned. But auto, I'm wondering if uh, where the real benefit is there. Like, as you mentioned, Buick, clearly for them, it's it's important enough to be tied to a single platform. And I wonder as well if customers are purchasing their cars based on the, the smart, um, you know, the smart assistants that are built in. Is it going to be a uh, drawback or something that's difficult for, or rather, maybe to rephrase, what are the benefits for auto manufacturers to lose out potentially on those customers who are Alexa partisans or Google partisans? And I know you mentioned you can have more than one, but what are the benefits that they're getting from having their own unique one? So I, the, um, I mentioned the data. So understanding how users are, um, are interacting with the product and getting that full visibility. There's the brand uh, extension, which I think is really powerful, but then there's just the product relationship. So if, if you want, if you have a question about, um, a feature in the car or you want to control something, then what that the automaker then needs to transfer the core functionality of the vehicle over to a third party voice assistant. So you're not saying, you know, uh, hello, Kia, roll down the window, you're saying Alexa, roll down the window. And if you have a question, uh, it becomes a sort of, how do I do this? So it, and if you imagine that there's, you add multiple assistants, maybe there's, you know, three or four third-party assistants, then all of a sudden, all of those third-party assistants now need to understand how the car works. So, and if, uh, if one of them updates their service, you're in a situation where you're now having to maintain all these multiple platforms for what should really just be an extension of the, of the vehicle experience or the product experience itself. So it's for us, our position is don't, if you're really trying to create value between user and your product, uh, you should extend that value through your own voice experience. If you're trying to add services and more capabilities, you should absolutely do that which is why we think it's totally reasonable to be a multi-assistant uh, world in, in a single product. We believe that's how it's going to happen. Interesting. I think what, what is my, my kind of observation on that is if you compare the Buick where the the driver and the passenger are arguing over whether this car should be called the brand name or whether it should be called the brand name of an entirely separate company, that is a stark that's a, a really weird reality to be in where the brand is actually almost kind of saying, hey, you should really think about kind of forgetting Buick and calling it Alexa kind of thing. Conversely, or, or rather contrast that with Mercedes. And you've seen the Super Bowl ad from the year before mm -hmm. last, I think it was, where the entire ad was this guy running down the street and he's talking, he's making stuff happen, he's rescuing cats from trees and playing music. And then he climbs in the car and he says, hey, Mercedes, get me directions home or whatever it is he says. And the entire kind of experience was all about Mercedes having capability, Mercedes being able to do all that stuff that Alexa yeah. does, but also it's Mercedes, you know? So it's almost like a, it's a, it's a different 
it's a different way of, of building relationships. And I think that, you know, we've kind of built this episode as, um, as, as kind of how voice AI is disrupting industries. And I wonder whether that is part of it in terms of creating disruptive relationships. So on the one hand, you've got Amazon Alexa moving into vehicles and then becoming the dominant thing in that vehicle, the dominant kind of relationship that you will have in a Buick is with Alexa. Mm-hmm. You, re- you stop having a relationship with Buick, you start having a relationship with Alexa. And then all of a sudden, Volvo release a car with Alexa in it. And how loyal are you going to be to Buick? Because your, your loyalty might be with Alexa. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas on the Mercedes side, they have an assistant with their own custom wake word, their own custom functionality. You're having a conversation with Mercedes. And potentially, if Mercedes wanted to offer you the ability to connect to something like Spotify or to connect to something like Pandora or these other third-party services, then Mercedes arguably are in a position where they are the middle person between the brand and the customer relationship. And so I'm curious to get your thoughts in terms of what you think about how voice kind of technologies are creating or can they or are they creating these disruptive i want to call it disruptive relationships between the big players and the the brands that are, that are using them yeah well what was great about that mercedes ad was that they really positioned it as a superpower right the uh the the driver said you know hey mercedes and he he was starting to make random comments about things of the world around him which is obviously a hyperbole but the point they were making was when you control your environment with your voice, it's you have almost godlike powers, and uh, and that and that driving a Mercedes and having that con- connection between you and the car and voice suddenly created this this unbelievable experience, and um, that's really that brand extension and that product extension. You weren't calling upon a third party service; you were getting this unique integrated package that elevated what you were able to do. And, uh, and um, that resonated really well. And it was really exciting to see how, um, how invested uh, Mercedes has been. And they've, they've taken a leadership position from awareness standpoint, but uh, other automakers are, are on board. So we, we partner with um, Hyundai and Kia and Honda. We have uh, a relationship with PSA. So it's, you know, France is Peugeot Citroen and, and their portfolio. So we're really seeing the automakers um, come on board. Uh, to, to answer the question about disruption, it's interesting because um, when I think about disruption, I think about something replacing something else, meaning that uh, we, we used to use one thing, something new came along, and now we're using that. Right. So in the music industry, it was very common. We had you know, records and then went to CDs and then now it's all just streaming. Right. Because people are always seeking a better way to get things done. And you know, voice on its own voice typically needs a vehicle or not literally, but a vessel or a channel in order to to deliver its value, uh, because it, at its core, it's just an interface. So you could argue that um, the touchscreen didn't disrupt the mobile phone, the traditional mobile phone industry. It was how Apple integrated the touchscreen into everything else that they did. So it needed a vehicle to be disruptive. Um, so uh, you know, before smart speakers came ar- around, there was a lot of uh, Bluetooth speakers, right? So you would connect it to your phone, you'd play music, it would stream to the speaker. But that was actually pretty inconvenient because you didn't know where your phone was. You had to unlock it, finding a song, finding the app. So the rise of smart speakers in the home, I think you can attribute entirely to music because the convenience of simply using your voice to control your music streaming service was far superior than hunting for your phone. And, and so it, it disrupted the relationship of the phone to, as an interface to the speaker. Um, it didn't obviously replace the phone. You still the phone as a multi-purpose tool. We might see over time that the more and more voice experiences you have uh, in products, the less you you need the phone to be the all-purpose device to control your digital world. But that that's probably going to happen gradually. So there, there's other examples of it, but that's that's how I how I see disruption. Mm-hmm. 
We've got a couple of comments, questions coming in. Uh, Leslie has said, this is a great talk about the entire voice ecosystem, when, where, and how to incorporate voice into brands, IoT devices, and apps. Thank you, Leslie. Uh, Elizabeth has said, as a B2B2C provider, my job is to strengthen the relationship between my customer and their customer, not shine my own light. I think she might be getting at the kind of like, if Amazon and the Alexa situation is a B2B relationship with car manufacturers and then the C is the customer, is it in the customer's interest for that kind of the company at the back end of that chain to be trying to shine their light? It sounds as though SoundHound is very much the opposite of that in terms of, you know, people are probably using uh, voice interfaces that have SoundHound power in them to some way, shape or form and don't even recognize it, don't even know about it, do they? Not necessarily, no. I mean, our priority is to to work with our partners to create a voice experience that's an extension of, of their brand. So that's that is part of our value proposition. Over over time, we think there might be some value in getting some, you know, light houndify attribution. Uh, but it's that's really not the goal because in the end, if you want to be successful with the voice uh, interface, it has to be useful. Uh, it has to work. And uh, customers need to to basically get uh, adopted to it. And, and so our ability to elevate the brands that use uh, our voice experiences are our number one priority. And you see that, you know, if you come to our website, houndify.com, you can see we feature our partners. We really champion what, what they're doing because we know that when they're successful, we're successful at the same time. So uh, Elizabeth's question is right on. It's It's really about, you either have complementary services that customers want. So if they want uh, integration into Google Calendar because they use it, go for it. But that doesn't mean that it's the answer to everything that your your brand can provide. And so it's about creating the, the balance in a mix. And do these brands ever want to, so, you know, Kane, you were talking a little bit about, um, you know, developing that relationship between the, the customer and the brand through this voice. Uh, do the customers ever want to extend that? We're talking about auto a lot, but I know there's others as well, but let's say Mercedes, let's talk, let's say Kia, do they ever want to extend that beyond the car? Uh, absolutely. In fact, the ability, once you have a voice interface and you have data behind it, you can imagine that it could exist anywhere. So for automotive, it could exist in the dealership. Uh, it can be through a phone service, through the app. Um, so it's always it's generally about finding the right starting point where you can establish a relationship. But the nice thing about voice is that it's um, it's it's transcendent. You just need uh, a microphone, a speaker, some processing, and a cloud connection, and you immediately have access to the service. So that's what we're really excited about is that that proliferation and and suddenly creating a relationship with the brand that is extends beyond uh, the product itself. We have one question or actually a couple of questions. I don't know if they're the same people um, that are maybe a little pointed. So uh, I'm ex excited to hear your answer on this. The question is essentially, can SoundHound, can Houndify keep pace with Amazon and Google? Obviously with machine learning progressing as fast as it is. And uh, you know, we saw with some of these new models, they take a lot of data. How is uh, SoundHound and Houndify going to keep pace with the big companies? So we, um, one of the things that we, the benefit of our, uh, our 10 years of R&D was we built a proprietary uh, and very unique voice interaction platform. And we, we labeled it as having two key components. We call it speech to meaning and deep meaning understanding. And so we actually are sitting on a, a platform that in and of itself is, is, is different in many ways, uh, an advantage over traditional voice uh, interaction platforms. And what that means is that most uh, all uh, voice assistants uh, have a two-step process, meaning you you make your query, and then it deciphers it using NL natural language understanding, and then it provides the result. And our founders knew that for a voice system to really work, it has to work how people think. So we're actually processing the speech in real time and um, and determining the context of what you're saying. 
that allows us to deconstruct and reconstruct it in ways that traditional a speech recognition and NLU systems can't. So, uh, so what the benefit is that people are already getting in many ways a superior solution. And then the question then becomes, do you have the, the products and services? I, I could do a quick uh, demonstration, I think would probably help drive the point. So we have um, in the US, we have an app, we, it's called Hound. It's a, a voice assistant experience available through an app. So if you're in the US, you can download Hound and try it out yourself. Uh, outside the US, we, um, we're still in the process of rolling it out. But it's um, handling uh, complex uh, statements is the one of the hallmarks of our platform because of the way it's constructed and traditional NLU systems can't. So I can, and, and it ends up being fast and accurate. So I'm going to try and hold it up next to my microphone here, but um, I could say something like, um, um, you know, what time is it in Beijing? It is 1.38 AM the next day in Beijing. So pretty, that's pretty straightforward. But then if I wanted to, to do something a little more complex, I could say, what time is in Beijing when it's 4 p.m. here? It is 7 a.m. the next day in Beijing when it is 4 p.m. here. So then in terms of handling complex and, and compound statements, I could say something like, what time is it in London, Beijing, Tokyo, and Toronto when it's 4.30 p.m. here? It is 12.30 a.m. the next day in London and 7.30 a.m. the next day in Beijing and 8.30 a.m. the next day in Tokyo and 7.30 p.m. in Toronto when it is 4.30 p.m. here. So those are the types of um, experiences that if you will often trip up other assistants, including uh, Google and Alexa. And, and it's really our ability to, to handle uh, complexity, but also uh, compound statements, uh, negative statements filtering. So we have, for example, in Hound, a partnership with Yelp, which pulls in Yelp data that can also uh, extrapolate on locations. So if I'm say looking for um, a restaurant and I'm traveling back in the day when we traveled and let's say I'm in Seattle um, and I, I wanna do a complex search, I, you know, I can say something like this, I'll give it a try. Show me restaurants within a half mile of the Space Needle, except Italian and Chinese, open past 10 p.m. and have outdoor seating and have four stars. Here are several restaurants with four stars within 0.5 miles of Space Needle that are open after 10 p.m. that have outdoor seating, excluding Italian restaurants or Chinese restaurants. And then in the app itself, you can you can see the the results come in. So th th these abilities to handle exclusions, inclusion, compound statements are, well, you could try it with any other voice assistant and it will, it'll fail pretty immediately. So that's one of the advantages is the, the work that we put into it already gives our partners, we think a leg up on, on a conversational voice experience that are ultimately going to be limited, even with some of these bigger players. And then, I mean, that's obviously very impressive and, and hopefully addresses the questions that were coming in. How would, uh, certainly you guys have access to Yelp and all of that, but let's say a Mercedes or, or someone else, they wanted to integrate that. What's that integration process look like for them? Yeah, it's straightforward. And now those are the domains I was referring to. So when in Houndify, we have access to hundreds of uh, third-party data. So it's... Um, you can, uh, you can integrate Yelp, there's weather services, sports services, navigation. So the, the benefit is we have, we have the full stack. We have the, the core technology, this speech demeaning and deep meaning understanding. But when you light up these domains, the domains themselves uh, leverage the, uh, the, core, the, the core deep meaning understanding technology, meaning that you instantly get the ability to ask and answer these complex questions. So that's, that's uh, part of what actually has helped us um, attract a lot of uh, companies, you know, especially automakers, because they realize they don't have to go and build these these data relationships because it comes with with the platform. Can we create our own domain? Let's say Kane and I wanted to build our own, uh, you know, our own experience for VUX world. Could we create our own domain that's going to be as powerful as that, so that someone can say, "Who's the VUX world co-host that?" doesn't live in the UK, but whose name starts with a K, et cetera. 
Yes, that's definitely on the roadmap. Right now, uh, if you sign up for Houndify account, you can do, you can work with custom commands with the domain sets that we have. However, in the future, in the not too distant future, uh, you'll be able to do exactly that. We've right now we prioritize getting our voice assistant in with um, a lot of these high profile partners uh, to really elevate and gain uh, exposure. And uh, the next logical progression is to do exactly that so that you could create a VUX world domain, upload that into Houndify, and then it, it becomes available uh, to anybody who chooses to adopt it. So that's, um, it's very much uh, on the roadmap and, uh, and that completes, that really completes the picture for, for what the platform needs to be. Interesting. We get, we're getting some nice, uh, the comments have lit up all of a sudden. It took a while, but they've started to fire up now. We're getting a lot of, uh, a lot of people in here. Shout out to Heidi Culbertson. Uh, Janice Mandel is in here as well. Cindy on YouTube said, wow, that is great. I'm assuming she's referring to that demo because I was nearly blown off the back of my chair when I, uh, when I heard that. Those are the kind of things that I've seen. I think I've seen Katie demonstrate some of those kind of things before mm -hmm. in the past. And always had a sneaking suspicion that it was sort of like staged and there's just the audio file playing in the background. But now that I've seen it in the flesh, then <laughs> I, uh, yeah, that's impressive. Um, when it comes to integrating this into other, um, other products, services, and Heidi, we'll get to your question in a minute. I know there's been a few other questions as well. We'll try and get to those, uh, when we can, when it comes to integrating, um, essentially what is a custom assistant? for brands, you know, you, you mentioned the coffee maker earlier on, they might have something running on a coffee machine. Um, you know, we mentioned car manufacturers that have something running in, in vehicles. Um, what is, and this is, this is, whose question is this? Sam Sethi's question. Shout out to Sam Sethi and the Sam Talks Tech podcast. I'm not sure if you've published our interview that we did a while back, Sam, or you're not uh, trying to get away without publishing that one. But uh, he said, how can uh, either Mercedes or uh, another brand similar who's putting Soundhound into their uh, product, um, how do you, keep how does the brand itself keep pace i think i might actually that might be a question we've already answered how does it keep pace with software companies mm. i think we've had a similar question yeah i think actually. we've addressed that one yeah we have okay well we'll move on to heidi's question which is um pandora we've mentioned about voice enabling products haven't yet mentioned too much about voice enabling software so can you explain a little bit about, uh, I, don't know, I don't know to what extent you can talk about Pandora, but can you explain a little bit about what that might look like and how Soundhound enables brands to voice enable software as opposed to hardware? Yeah, it's, um, it, it, it's always a, a relationship. The benefit of mobile apps is they all live within hardware that's already very voice ready. And so it, uh, there's a microphone, there's a speaker, there's processing ability. So uh, invariably, we'll have some software relationship. It's just a question of whether or not the software has its own visual interface. So if it's a, you know, a smart speaker or uh, just a device with no screen, the software is somewhat invisible. If it's an app, then you have this multimodal experience. And that's that's really important uh, with and apps really are, are showcase for that. So with with Pandora, they introduced this feature as voice mode and they it you know, it solves a very distinct problem, which is if you have hundreds of, and for, for the not, Pandora is primarily US. So if you have viewers in, uh, I imagine you have many in the UK and Europe and all over the world, um, for those not familiar with Pandora, it's a streaming service. It's very big in the US and, and a few other countries. Music search is a, is a challenging problem and music discovery. So they, um, they wanted to create a voice experience that empowered their users, but also gave them, gave them the data because Pandora is, lives in multiple environments. There's Alexa, Google browsers, cars, you name it. So the way, what we did for them is, um, we, uh, we, we gave, we created a wake word and that's a really important distinction. And then you can, you can play uh, music much more directly and efficiently. So I have, I have the Pandora app open here. And I can say something like, uh, hey, Pandora, play my thumbprint radio. Now playing your thumbprint radio station. 
And then it, it starts from there. And you can, you can, during the song is playing, you can say, um, you can say the wake word, say thumbs up, thumbs down. So it really gives you that hand-free music experience, but you can, it unlocks new value. So this is a perfect case of where uh, that's convenient. I don't have to tap something, but um, I can say, uh, if I'm, it can do mood based things, which is a really hard way to do that in an interface. I could say something like, Hey, Pandora, let me just load it up here again. And, uh, hey, Pandora, play some music for chilling. And then basically what happens is it, it'll just give you the mood experience and then we go from there. So, uh, we have a, a demo video. If you go to, um, townify.com, and then you click on our, our, our gallery, you can actually see how it works there. So it, um, the other advantage is they, one of the things that they're actually experimenting now with in, in, in an early beta is voice advertising. So they're an ad-based service. If you're not um, paying for, uh, for the, the, the streaming service, they, they're streaming ads. And now they're actually introducing the idea of a voice ad. So you basically get the ad and you can actually interact with it and um, they've seen some pretty high and interesting engagement with um, with some of that moving forward. So it's more on that story, but you can see that they have a broader agenda for voice that extends um, outside of the, the product experience itself and actually is adding value and, and revenue and monetization. Mm. Yeah. I think I think we have a few more questions before the end of the hour, but I do think, Kane, we need to call out Heidi Culbertson. It feels like every time she's in the comments section, they just explode. I think, Heidi, you're our hype woman, so just keep coming back <laughs> week after week, please. Uh, it's really an interesting topic as well, but I think Heidi Heidi's helping out. Yes, and shout out to Heidi, who's um, a real voice pioneer, uh, ambassador, collaborator so it's that to me it's seeing familiar names is really what makes the community strong so always when i so many familiar names and and uh shout out to heidi as well cool well uh i think dustin had a had a question i want to throw one in there before uh before that if that's cool um the we mentioned disruption we mentioned i think you've touched on how voice technology itself is actually disrupting the way that we use technology in the first place. I mean, I've, I've, I've used the example a number of times of how, you know, if you think about Google search and when Google search first came about, that basically trained people on how to use search. And so whenever you visit any website in the world, it doesn't matter how much budget was behind the website, you expect the search to work because you've been trained on Google. Same kind of thing when it comes to like online checkouts. When you buy something online, you, you just expect it to work. You expect it to be trusted. You expect it to be fast because Amazon have kind of shaped your expectation now of what online shopping should be like. And I'm wondering whether there is um, a place here where on the one hand, increased access to voice enabled devices will start to change the way that people expect to be able to communicate with brands and whether there will be an expectation and this would be interesting to get your thoughts on is will there be an expectation not just to be able to kind of interact with brands using their voice but interact with their brand's own personal version of what that looks like not necessarily through alexa or google assistant but do you think there'll be an expectation that I can talk to Mercedes, Mercedes. I should be able to talk directly to, um, you know, Block and Quail, B and Q. I call it Block and Quail, home, home uh, base, or whatever. You know, the Home Depot, whoever, whoever those brands are. Do you think we we will get to that point where where people have an expectation that they will be able to speak directly to a brand's voice assistant? Absolutely. Yeah, we believe that every time we envision what a world looks like. We can't envision it without the, the uh, a voice-based connection to the brand itself. Um, and you can have, your, if you think of a, a retail environment, your brand ambassadors are your employees. Uh, when you pick up the phone and you, you ask a question, the brand is reflected in that. And it's the same way when you open an app or you are navigating the store. So it's your brand extension has to be consistent across the board and your the voice experience, whether it's a person or an AI powered experience has to be consistent. And that's where it, the, the value of the brand really pays attention uh, or factors in. So for example, Mercedes in many ways is a, a premium brand. Um, Pandora really knows 
music, right? These are the attributes you attach to the brand. So if I, if I said to, um, you know, Mercedes, like, you know, what are some good restaurants around here? Uh, over time, you would expect the, the, the result to come back to be some factor of the fact that you asked this one voice assistant versus another. Um, and there's an element of personalization in there, which is it'll get to know what you like. Um, but I, I sort of equate it to almost going to a hotel concierge and saying you wouldn't you would uh, when you approach a concierge, you say, uh, hey, I want to go out uh, and eat. W what's good around here? Right. And then and you tend to ask these open ended questions that are more need based and intent based. Whereas when you use a tool, you tend to, to search and filter and you you're you're trying to figure out and decipher the tool. So right now, a lot of people are using voice as an extension of a tool experience. And we feel because we have that conversational capability, the speech demeaning, the, the deep ability to handle some of these complex questions, people will evolve to start asking more need-based questions. Like, you know, I, you know, I'm in the mood for something that is, um, you know, uh, you know, relaxing, relaxing yeah. that sort of thing. And it's not, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. So it's, 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 um, it's uh, you need a platform that can extend into those types of, of queries and relationships. And that's just an, an evolving evolution in education. Nice. Karen's doing an electric job here of uh, getting to the comments that we're not managing to get around to. Thank you, Karen. This is what we should advise is everyone who comes on to the show should bring somebody from their team who can kind of help, uh, help on the comment side of things. So thank you, Karen. Um, one of the things that we spoke about previously that is interesting that's kind of been, um, I'm pretty sure it was actually an article published a couple of weeks back about it, um, is this concept of, this isn't the concept of the article, I'll get to that in a moment, but this concept of um, voice technologies having the potential to allow brands to do things that they wouldn't previously have thought about doing. Uh, or being able to do, in fact, like the Mercedes example, I know we keep coming back to it, but it's a really good example of how Mercedes and the other uh, car brands, uh, auto brands that you mentioned, have got themselves in a position where they're able to generate conversations with customers build relationships with customers over time. And anyone who knows anything about kind of marketing, branding, you know that it is all about long-term relationship building, lifetime value. You know, that's the reason why McDonald's sponsor kids' football tournaments because they don't want kids to buy Happy Meals today. They want them to still go to, to McDonald's for food when they're 55, 60 and above. And so it's this long-term kind of play. And, and it's very difficult for us to think in really long-term time periods when you think about what will it do for Mercedes brand, Mercedes brand loyalty when people know what it's like to have a personal relationship with Mercedes in 15 years time. And so it, voice technologies have managed to get itself into a position where it is, it is allowing the opportunity for brands to do things that they wouldn't have previously thought was possible. And one of those things is um, the example that, that of this article I was talking about, which is MasterCard uh, launching a kind of a drive-through uh, platform and they're using SoundHound in some way, shape, or form as well. Is that right? That's right, yeah. So so tell us a little bit about what that is. Because when I first read it and when you first told us about it, I was like, MasterCard, hmm. drive-through platform, what is all this about? But tell, tell us a bit about it and tell us a bit about what SoundHound are doing with it. Sure, yeah. So um, the um, I think a lot of uh, payment companies in particular are really looking at the ecosystem and how they can add value above and beyond simply the transaction. and. Uh, Progressive ones like MasterCard are putting a lot behind innovation saying, how can we be not just the, the point of transaction, but how can we create a point of sale experience that brings it all together? So real credit to them. And, and they, they uh, for, for people who aren't familiar, they created a, uh, a drive-through experience. Again, very many countries have drive-through, but no one does it like in the United States. And the, uh, the demands of uh, making voice ordering from the car into the restaurant can be really complex. So they incorporated uh, Houndify, our platform, into uh, into ordering. So you you drive up, and it's a digital interface. You start speaking, and you 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 make your order using voice the same way you would uh, using a person, which our our platform is perfect for. But they've they've wrapped it in an entire experience. So we provide the voice experience. They are doing the interface. They're tying it into the payment system. So it's a good example of a partnership. They're also doing great things that they even have a partnership with a company that if you've registered your license plate, it'll 
it'll read the license plate and already recognize the car as having personal information. So it's a perfect example of how voice is powerful and it, it's often the thing that you have to have to, to make the, these shifts into new disruptive experiences, but it needs to work in concert with other features and capabilities. So the product maker or the product integrator has to really think holistically about uh, the role of voice alongside these other things and then they create the disruption and it becomes repeatable. And then you can take that same voice ordering experience and you can put it in an app or you can put it over the phone. So we're really excited to be able to take what we've built and transfer it into all these different environments uh, seamlessly because voice is the ultimate um, omni-channel uh, platform. Nice, nice. We've had quite a few comments. I'll see if I can try and get through some of these. Um, one question from Karen um, was around the Pandora thing. So when you've got when you've got SoundHound working in an app, does that mean that the app that it is embedded within is always listening, waiting for the wake word? How does all the wake word detection stuff work? Yeah, wake word detection is, yeah, I would say listening is is a stronger term. It's what it is is it's it's a pattern recognition. So when you uh, when you build a wake word, what we're essentially doing is we're taking uh, the waveform of the sounds that you make and turning into almost like a digital, uh, an audio button, right? So a lot of apps will have a, a microphone button and until you tap it, it's not listening because it's, you have to trigger it. And wake words function the same way. It's that if it detects a waveform that you know, that we've extrapolated into the wake word, then it essentially is, is taking in what it is that you're trying to say. So it's really, it's more recognizing a speech pattern than it is listening, if that helps. And I think there's obviously, um, you know, a lot of privacy uh, questions around that sort of thing, because sometimes there's false triggers where, you know, the device thinks you said the wake word, and then it starts listening and recording what you're saying. So having a, an accurate, uh, reliable wake word experience is is critical because it's sort of it's not really listening it's just simply it's waiting for for a certain thing if that helps it does justin did you have one about from paul no uh paul said that uh it's already been answered in a comment so again uh i think we've got we've got a dual track going on which is really oh, which is really impressive but i would add that there's an important theme too is that the um we talked a lot about cloud-based and your wake word point touches on something important is that in addition to having a cloud assistant you can have an embedded one which is purely on device so there are some products who will choose to, to focus exclusively on command and control and the entire voice experience is, is embedded. So for example, a wake word is what we call embedded, um, meaning that it's not in the cloud. You program the, uh, the software on the device to listen for it and you can extend that to command. So we also, in addition, we, we focus a lot on our cloud experience, but we have an embedded solution as well where you could do a, a very long list of commands that's never internet connected it's really about uh, product control and it can have a lot of natural language understanding as well. So we see the, the, the flip side, this embedded experience playing uh, an increasingly uh, larger role. Uh, and, and ultimately you can have what we call an edge experience, which is takes advantage of some embedded capabilities and some cloud ones. So maybe when you make a, a command and control type query for a lamp or for an appliance, it never goes to the cloud because it can handle it. Or, but if you do decide to ask a question that you need a cloud connection, it, it arbitrates between the two. So we think uh, that's probably a whole other podcast in the future, but we we're, we're really uh, excited about how that's going to evolve. And so maybe one more question before we, before we get to the hour, if I wanted to implement this, I'm a developer. How do I go about doing that? Is it and is that going to take me weeks, months, uh, many months, or is this something I can do in a weekend? So you can on Houndify, you can uh, very quickly um, leverage, build an assistant that um, with with custom with a degree of custom command and controls that takes advantage of the domains that we have there. Uh, the default wake word that you we offer is called is OK Hound. So that um, I use the button when I did that hound, but I, I could have also said OK Hound. 
if you want a custom wake word, that's something that we currently uh, partner with um, with you to build. Uh, the um, because there, there are tools that are starting to show up that are are more self make your own wake word, but we really want to put in. Uh, it's important that it's accurate and reliable, um, and so putting in the effort to make it really good is critical. And that becomes that's a partnership exercise. And then building a custom domain currently is something that we partner on. So you would, uh, you know, contact one of our team members. They would respond, um, give you a little bit more information. But as I said, over time, uh, the roadmap is to make it make people even more self-sufficient um, as the, the the platform opens up. Nice. Um, we've, if you've got time for one more question from Stephen, we'll do that, and then we will uh, then we'll wrap up. So Stephen has said, it's a question about analytics, which we haven't got to yet. And by the way, I think we can actually do a whole episode on wake word detection. That'll be an interesting one to do. How does it work? How do you do it? You know, all this kind of stuff. Um, but Stephen Reinhardt has mentioned a question, which I think it's worth touching on because we haven't touched on it yet, which is around analytics. Mm-hmm. So one, are your clients asking for analytics? And two, what kind of analytics do they get? And then three, how do they use that to improve whatever they've done? That's a, It's a great question. And that's, one of the, it speaks to the, the benefit of using an independent platform versus a third party. Um, like I said, like Alexa and Google is that we empower our partners with the data, meaning that you can see the volume of queries uh, at any given time. You can see how, how many domains are being requested, whether it's your own, say product custom domain or a third party domain like weather or restaurant search. Um, and you do get visibility into the queries themselves. Now we we uh, we make a point of making the the the, the queries uh, anonymized so that it's uh, so you're really looking at the data and the accuracy of saying did this particular query work? Did it not work? Um, because it's really more about improving the platform, and um, and so having visibility into the the volume, frequency, the patterns, and the error rate. Is is becomes available so that um, the developer can continually improve on that front. So we're we try we make it as transparent as we can within within the boundaries of what's um, what's appropriate. Cool. Well, this has been immense. I think that uh, we've covered a lot of ground, and one th- one bit of ground that I'm glad that we have covered, and it's thanks to everyone in the comments, by the way, for asking these kind of questions, is that before we started because I've never used SoundHound before. It's my knowledge of SoundHound and, and hadn't had the capacity to go in there and play around and stuff like that. So my knowledge of SoundHound has been all about, you know, having conversations with people, um, reading stuff, you know, seeing articles and stuff like that. And so I think what's been valuable, certainly from my perspective on on this conversation, has been just being able to delve right into the ins and outs of it. Like, what does it actually do because you see it if you're in the voice community you'll see it absolutely everywhere but very rarely i think do people fully understand the whole capabilities of the solution as well as the opportunities it unlocks as well as as we mentioned some of these kind of disruptive opportunities that it encourages as well um so it's been it's been absolutely wicked Dustin, yeah. any, any final thoughts uh, absolutely. I mean, if you want to see, we uh, we recently upgraded our, our website, houndify.com. So we encourage people to check it out. There are plenty of videos. There's a great video on speech to meaning, which um, explains how it works. We have partner profiles. So right now it's in a section called Powered by Houndify. You can see the list of partners we work with. Uh, and we have a very uh, deep and robust blog um, where we're constantly sharing the latest and greatest. So you can go uh, and check it out. It's, it's uh, voices.soundhound.com. That's our blog. And we have uh, plenty of videos on there. Like I said, you can see a Pandora demo video. Uh, you see partner profile videos. So we're, we're definitely developing for those people who aren't in a Mercedes or don't have access to the Pandora app can come to the website and see, uh, see how it works and, uh, and what it, uh, what it actually does. So encourage people to check that out and, and, of course, uh, and sign up uh, for the subscription, sign up for Houndify account, and and we'll, we'll keep each other informed from there. 
Nice. Dustin, final thoughts? Yeah, no, I think this was great. I think we'll have to have you on for another one, but I think you'll have to send us a Mercedes ahead of time so we can test it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everybody gets a car, right? This is my Oprah moment. <laughs> that's it, that's it. That's wicked. Where, where can people, um, well, I will give a shout out to the blog, actually. Uh, I've featured on that blog a couple of times, if I do say so myself. It is very good, and not because I'm in there, it's because it's genuinely, like, it's not just a blog. It's not like a page with text on it. They are some of them are like properly well designed, almost like micro sites in their own right. It's a it's an experience just actually going through some of the content itself. So definitely check that out. Um, but yourself, Mike, where can people kind of follow you online, reach out to you, and uh, and follow a little bit about what what your thoughts are and and uh, the things that you're up to? Yeah, I mean, I um I try and stay pretty active on on Twitter uh, with um, my handle there. It's Mizago, M-I-Z-A-G-O. And uh, LinkedIn, uh, great platform. We get great engagement from the community on LinkedIn as well. So you can absolutely connect with me there. Uh, any follow-up questions uh, through mess- LinkedIn messaging or even direct tweets is, is fantastic. Uh, like I said, to me, there's the technology in the business, but it's the, really the community that gives uh, me energy. Our, we talk about all our time at SoundHound, our team, our ability to, to connect like this it really feels like something 10 years from now, we'll look back on and say, gosh, you remember when everybody, we could just hop drop on a podcast and we all knew each other and now it got so big. And so it's sometimes important to, to embrace the moment, knowing that it's going to evolve beyond that. And, and conversations like this, just bring it all home. So I, 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 I and our entire team is very grateful to have the opportunity to participate, be active in this forum. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on. I wasn't being rude there. I was checking my calendar to find out what next week's podcast is about. And uh, for uh, some administrative error, and we'll have to get to the bottom of this, Dustin, because I don't know what we've done, but it doesn't look like we've got one booked in next week. Hmm. Uh, so maybe maybe we'll have to do some kind of ad hoc Thursday night uh, next week. Uh, yeah, although although my wife might say that she hopes you're on your own next week. That is true. That is absolutely true. Yes. Yeah. So, my my uh, my wife is forty plus weeks pregnant. So yeah. So so she's definitely hoping that Kane's uh, doing a podcast <laughs> by himself next week. Or or maybe she'll be happy he's taking a week off because it's uh, no pressure. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be sitting about. <clears throat> I'll be sitting here talking to myself. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, well, yeah, Dustin, uh, if this is probably the last one that we'll, that we'll hear from you for, for a little while, given that you are going on paternity leave. So massive, massive congratulations. Thank you. Uh, your life is going to be changed. Your Likewise, world yeah. is going to be rocked. <laughs> yeah. In a good way. In a good way. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Congratulations. And yeah, it was pre, it was pre live, but the, uh, we have to keep us posted on your diaper count and see how quickly yeah. we get through yes. that 800. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Wicked. This is this has been fantastic. Uh, yeah, Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for doing it. Dustin, best of luck. Get yourself to bed now and get <laughs> sleep over the next couple of days. <laughs> and thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This has been, I mean, it's been impossible to follow. The comments have just been absolutely nonstop. Um, and I think that, you know, it's been a really active discussion. It's been really entertaining, really enlightening. Um, and so thank you all for tuning in and thank you all for commenting and sending your questions. And uh, if I am here talking to myself next week, maybe you can join me. <laughs> if, not, if not, we might be here the week after. So, yeah, thanks very much. And we'll see you again very soon. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.